Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to James Anderson, CEO of Van Gold Mining, the TSXV Gold Explorer, re-entering a former producing gold and silver mine in Mexico. And if you want our opinion on that conversation today, and indeed the company itself, you can go and find that at cruxinvestor.com com forward slash club. We can also get company reports, market commentary from experts from around the world. You can get training videos, summaries of other interviews that we've done. And there's a huge community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go now, there's a seven day free trial. James, how are you doing, sir? Very good, Matthew. Thank you. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Thanks for joining us. I know it's early there and it's also a long weekend in Canada land. Uh, so you, you've uh, you've got up early to do this. I appreciate that. Um, so how are things there? You good? Yeah, very good. Uh, like you say, it's a long weekend here. Um, the the weather is typical Vancouver fall weather, so it's miserable and pouring and kind of grotesque. But uh, it's Thanksgiving here in Canada, so I had a nice dinner with um, with the remnants of my family that are that are still around here. So my, my wife and my daughter got together for dinner. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Thanksgiving, so what's Thanksgiving involved in? Is that kind of like our Christmas? Well, a little bit, you know, it's two separate um, feasts, I guess. Um, oftentimes people have a turkey over here. We had a roast lamb. Um, I mean, it was, it was originally a, um, uh, a feast to celebrate the harvest. And, you know, there are, there's different sort of um, theories and some of them, I think, sort of um, made up, you know, a lot, a lot like how we understand Christmas these days, right? You know, Santa Claus wasn't always the Santa Claus that we see today, um, but there's different theories about the, or explanations about Thanksgiving being, being dated back to the, the pilgrims and how they celebrated the feast with um, the, you know, different indigenous peoples. Whether there's any truth to that, I've got no idea. Oh, well. You're enjoying yourself, though. You enjoy yes, yourself. Yes, yeah. What, it was, whatever it was the, a lovely dinner. Right, whatever the humble beginnings of, of the story. <laughs> um, well, brilliant. Look, first time we've spoken, and uh, looking forward to hearing this story. We had a lot of requests for you guys to come on, so thanks for doing that. Um, why don't you kick off, give us a one-minute overview of the business, and I'll pick it up from there. Sure. What we're trying to do is to uh, rejuvenate and um, restart a 110-year-old silver and gold mine in central Mexico. Uh, this was a uh, quite an important high-grade past producer of silver and gold about 110 years ago. Um, what we've done in the last six months or so is uh, a number of different um, uh, tasks to try and, and see what we've got there and try to advance it. One of the things that we did um, about four months ago now was to send a thousand ton bulk sample from material that was left over from mining 110 years ago. And we sent that to a local mill and got all those results back. Uh, just last week, Matthew, we released some results of underground sampling, uh, not from stockpile material, but from in situ vein material that was left there by the miners 110 years ago. So those results were quite good. The, the market liked them. The stock traded uh, to a new 52-week high. And um, another bit of news that we had a couple of weeks ago was that we purchased our own drill rig. And we will have that on site in about 30, 30 or 40 days or so if the, um, if the delivery company does what they say that they're supposed to do. 
and we'll be able to use that drill rig to start drilling uh, a number of different drill holes. Okay, so you've, you've, thanks for that. You've gone back into a former producing, a significant producing, high grade producing uh, mine of, uh, for gold and silver. Why pick that as a model? It's got to be easier models in terms of getting into the uh, gold or silver mining business, haven't they? Well, I don't know that there is. You know, th- there's there's companies that are that are drilling holes all over the world, and one of the key ingredients, I think. Uh, you know, I was in the brokerage business here in Vancouver for about 20 years, and I, I financed and invested in these type of companies. That's how I've made my living, um, you know, for most of my adult life. And a lot of the companies who, you know, you would have here um, uh, on your show are raising money to drill drill holes into anomalies of some kind, geophysical, geochemical anomalies, and some part of the, the planet. The Golden Triangle, for instance, up in northern British Columbia, a uh, very active place. Well, I've been there, and, and let me tell you, it is rugged. You have to take helicopters from, from the top of one mountain to the top of another mountain. You've got to bring in fuel, you know, with, with helicopters, as opposed to a place like Guanajuato, where we're working. Um, we're about seven kilometers away from a mining city of about 150,000 people. Um, the, the, the ease of simply driving onto the property in the morning, it, it makes a big, big difference. So I, I, um, if I had to choose one, one or the other, this path that we're on right now, I think has a much better chance of having some efficacy for shareholders. Why hasn't anyone else come in and looked at this property in the last 110 years? There have been many gold spikes uh, many silver spikes in that time. Why is now the right time? Yeah, well, right on our um, on our presentation material, I put uh, el tiempo es hora, uh, which is the time is now, and I, I think that that addresses that very question. It's certainly a question that I get a lot from intelligent investors, uh, and uh, and a lot of that is kind of the other side of what I was just saying. So if this is so close to four different mills and a mining community, you know, why is it not been um, uh, moved on? Um, There's a lot of, you know, I I could spend probably 30 minutes with you over a beer telling you about all of the points in history about, you know, why at at, at each point it seemed to just not quite work through the 30s and 40s. the, The thing was shut down in 1913 because of the violence of the Mexican Revolution, okay? And that's that. That's not unique. There was a lot of different operations and in different industries that were that that were affected greatly by the that violence uh, at that time. In the 1930s and 40s, there were a number of different um, Mexican entities that tried to restart the thing. They all ran out of capital. Um, in the 1940s, through well, really through till 2012, the project was owned by a Mexican family. Uh, surname Ramirez. Now, in 1972, Mr. Ramirez Sr. cut a deal with Fresnillo. And your listeners, I'm sure, know Fresnillo is the largest silver producer in the world. It's a very big and important company in Mexico. And I say Fresnillo, back then it was actually Peñoles. Fresnillo was spun out of Peñoles, so an even bigger company. But they did a deal with the big mining company in 1972. That's when Las Torres, the mine and mill right next door to us, was being put in production. The story goes, at the last moment, the big company 
said, wanted to change the terms of the agreement. And Mr. Ramirez said, you know, in very strong Spanish, I'm sure, um, no way, you're not going to steal my mind from me. So what happened was this relatively small claim block became isolated within an island of claims that are owned by Frisneo. And I think that that may have turned off some of the bigger companies um, around over the years. I'll make one more point about that. So um, the older Mr. Ramirez, I've met the fellow's son, by the way, Evo Ramirez, he's about my age, but the, the older chap, he built his own mill on this property. Like, and so it's about 40 years old, this mill, it looks about 140 years old. Like this is stone age technology. He built this with wheelbarrows and picks and shovels and with the, the sweat of his brow. It ne it's kind of tragic. It never produced an ounce of gold. It still exists. Uh, we've got pictures of it up on our, um, on our yeah, website. Yeah. I saw that. Right? So, yeah. so, so just coming back, coming back to the question is, you're saying that's because it's been the Ramirez family and who had you know this falling out back in the early 70s um they have not thought to try and monetize at any point in the last 50 years but you guys was it you guys or was it was it a management team before you guys managed to persuade them to relinquish the, the ramirez yeah the, the ramirez team uh, uh, i mean certainly evo ramirez that's the fellow who i who i, who I have met not really a mining guy um you know he, he does other business um, so I, I can't really comment about, you know, who else they might have approached. In 2012, they approached my now partners, uh, the Dorado family, uh, who are, you know, a father and son mining engineering team. Um, they tried to advance it for a couple of years. In 2016, they thought it was a good idea to vend it into a Canadian company where they felt that maybe they'd be able to be able to attract uh, some additional capital. Okay. Okay. And then, so you're so Ramirez owned it originally. Dorado uh, family, father and son. One of one of whom, or both of whom, work with you now. Both, both, both do. Right. Okay. Uh, they're both mining engineers. Hernan is the younger of the two. He, he's forty years old. Um, he's worked in Canada at, at um, a big mine in Ontario. Uh, he's worked in Australia, so he's back working in Mexico now. And and the father, Gerardo, also a mining engineer. He he works as our uh, country manager, we call him. I, I say general manager. Uh, all of the nuts and bolts about, you know, all of the stuff that we've been doing for the last three months, he, he's in charge of. Okay. And as part of that deal, you guys, the company bought the royalty from the Dorado family. Is that part of that that's deal structure? That's correct. Right. Okay. And that was just a case of work trying to cl clean up the, the corporate balance sheet or what, what, why did you do that? Yeah, so I mean, pre previous Van Gold management, when they acquired the property, they thought it was wise to not give the Dorados very much equity in the company, but to give them a series of royalties that would pay, you know, obviously as production move forward. So in theory, that's a good idea. Um, I find it kind of inelegant. And what it does do is it makes um, our Mexican partners mostly aligned with shareholders, but not completely. And the, and I'll, I'll just correct you on one thing, Matthew, what we signed there a few weeks ago with the Dorados, it's an option agreement. Um, Van Gold has until December 31st to execute of this year to execute that option, which, which we intend to do, but we're working on a couple of different uh, business things that would uh, smooth that over. Got it. So I had, I had actually written options. So no, absolutely right. You've optioned that. Um, okay. So we'll let, let's come back to, 
try and explain to the folks at home what you're trying to do, you know, the old business plan. Okay, so you, you've explained sort of broadly, you know, what you're looking at uh, and and why you think that, you know the the time is right. Uh, I can't do it in Spanish um, <laughs> to, to try and do because it, it's okay. You're so good. You're so good uh, because it's. Um, do you know, in, 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 most people would prefer something slightly cleaner than this because you're kind of going in, it's early stages, you're doing surface sampling, you're trying to work out what's in the ground. And you, I, where, you know, and I imagine you're looking at historic data because you've got, you know, historic resource, historic, well, because there's a 43101 slashing around, I think, from 2017. But you're trying to assess what it is that you've got at the moment. Is, is that right? So how's that informing how you're moving forward with the, you know, whatever it's four million bucks of cash that you've got? Sure. Uh, well, let, let me just I mean, make a, another sort of global statement about that. You know, it's been said by a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me over the years. If you want to find a, a gold mine, you know, go to a place where there's other gold mines. Um, it's certainly true of, of every metal, and uh, I guess I would just expand it a little bit. I mean, if you if you want to find a precious metals, if you want to find a, a silver and gold mine um, in Mexico, well, there's a number of different mining camps to go to. Certainly, past producers, you know, I mean, you know, that's that's where you would want to go to explore for more precious metals. So I don't find anything unusual in that. Um, to answer your question, you know, regarding what specifically we're, we're trying to do here, it is it is fairly complex. We're trying to do a number of different things at the same time, and you know, I, I wouldn't always recommend that to people. But the the nature of what we find on the ground has led us in that direction. So um, if your if your listeners don't know, one of the, the compelling things about this project is that there are two stockpiles of material on the property on the surface there's a um uh, a waste pile it was waste 110 years ago we think that we can make a little bit of money like enough to pay some bills to send that to one of the four local mills that are nearby underground there's another stockpile of material which was never waste this was created as what they thought was a low-grade stockpile, which is the same, same sort of thing that we do in mining today. But they did that 110 years ago. We think we, we've got a fighting chance of being, being able to bring that to surface safely uh, without too much expenditures and send that on to a local mill. Okay. And, and, with, and with that, Matthew, we can make some very good money. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, well, you give me, I've done some calculations. What, what, what do you think you can make with stuff at surface and the stuff underground it, in terms of like a net number to contribute to Net your, number to what? Yeah. So I want to sort of sense of what it's contributing towards your sort of you know, G&A and, you know, any OPEX. Sure. And I just, I just want to say for your listeners, you know, caveat, caveat, caveat. Of These course. are numbers that we've generated internally. You know, there's no 43 one uh, attached to it. And there pro- likely never will be. Right, you know that that would that would end up spending about half the money that we're going to make on sending the uh, the material to a local mill. We, we think we can make a couple million bucks sending the stuff on surface to a local mill, right. U.S. dollars. That's our end net net. Okay. Right. We think we can make fifteen to twenty million, same way for the stuff that's underground. It's three times the grade. We don't have to find it or mine it or blast it. Right. All we got to do is bring it to surface safely. And the work, that, some of the work that we're doing on the property right now is in anticipation of that and you know and, and moving that forward. So for a company with a 25 million Canadian kind of market cap, 
I think that that's a very worthy endeavor. There are people who commented and there are friends of mine who's, who've said, James, you know, why don't you stop messing around with the, those stockpiles, raise the money and drill deeper for the Veta Madre, which is the big kahuna on this property. <coughs> I get that. But if, if through some of our efforts, we end up over a 24 month period getting 15 or $20 million in our genes, I think that's a worthy thing for us to do. Okay, which, which is a kind of fair enough question. Why not go for the easier stuff at surface? Even if it's a couple of million bucks, it's not too much of a distraction. I, I get that stuff underground, you're gonna have to spend a bit of money before you bring that to surface. Fine, but you know, at some point you can monetize it. So why don't you answer your friend's questions for me, which is, okay, you can go drilling and go chasing big veins, but you've got a lot of work to do before then, okay? You do, yeah, at the moment you're doing uh, surface samples, right? And you're sending them off for assays. Uh, what is the process that you're outlining going forward? How much more, do you, do you think with your four million bucks or so that you can do enough to actually start making some decisions about going to market and raising money to, you know, uh, for the, for, with the purpose of actually trying to create some real value for this? Because otherwise it's just qu all quite small stuff at the moment. Sure. I mean, I, I think I understand where you're going with those, with those questions. First of all, let, let me just uh, correct you on one other thing. I mean, we, we, are, we are doing um, uh, some surface sampling vis-a-vis -vis some trenching along the, uh, across the veins on the southern part of the property. Um, all of the um, samples and assays that you saw last week, this is underground sampling, right? And this is underground sampling of exposed vein material that was left there 100 years ago. So the old timers took out a whole bunch of, of 30 and 40 gram of gold equivalent material. What we, you know, what, what we sampled was uniformly sort of five and six gram material. So gold equivalent. So that, that's all underground um, vein exposures. I think um, if I'm, hopefully I'm answering your, your question correctly. So we will start drilling into those veins from underground in about, you know, God willing, about 40 days time when our uh, drill rig arrives. Uh, and in terms of being able to develop in a 21st century, right, what people want to see and have a, that resource in front of them, we will be able to start that very, very quickly and, and efficiently. Um, I, I can talk with you a little bit about some of the drilling plans for underground. We will have a drill contractor that will arrive in January or February to drill some of the, uh, the the surface drill holes and some of the deeper targets, including that that Veta Madre target, and we'll do that into the new year. But, but what's that? What's that based on? Are you just going? I've, I've got a dr underground drill. I'm going to go chasing veins. But what's what's the data that it's based on? So I know that there's some big plan and not just kind of short termism. Let's see what we can try and pull out of here. Sure. Well, there's. Um, I mean, in some ways, we know a ton about this project, right? I mean, we can get in on the number four at it level. We can walk in for 800 meters and see exposed vein material all, all the way there. Um, going down, which is which is some of the work that we've been doing over the last um, couple of months now, uh, going down from the number four at it level to the number seven level um, in the in the shaft, which is one of three shafts that they, that they used for production 100 years ago. Uh, so we've been able to take all of that data and um, put it into a leapfrog computer model um, wireframes 
So, you know, we've got all of that data. Certainly all of the, the sampling that we released last week, well, that gives us a lot of confidence. All of the drilling that we're going to be doing from underground starting in 40 days is immediately south of where all of those samples came from. Now that, you know, they'll, all, they'll be um, lower than the number four at it level. These would be in pillars that the guys 100 years ago left. Um, and, you know, th this is where, well, I guess we don't know just yet. We think that they left them simply because the, they didn't make the cutoff grade of the, this really high grade mine from 100 years ago. Right. Um, but what's that look like today? Do you know what I mean? It comes back to that question of why, is the, why the time is now. You know, we're in a high gold environment, high silver environment, and if that sustains the next two, three years, you can make hay. But thereafter, it comes back to this is a 90 hectare land package, thereabouts. Um, you're surrounded by some big guys, which is you know good and bad in the sense that you know you've outlined the pros and the cons of, of that. So what are investors buying into? The fact that you might be able to kind of produce a bunch of cash as long as gold and silver remains high. Is that, is that what we're buying into? Or can this thing become bigger than that? I think it can, it can become bigger than that. Um, there's, so there's a, there's a lot to unpack in the, in the questions that, that, that you just asked there. Um, so let me, let me first address, um, you know, the, the size of the property. Uh, some people say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a small land package. I'd rather have a small land package with a bunch of gold and silver on it than a large land package without any, right? Um, the company does have a larger land package immediately south of, of this main property that we're working on. So there's about a, a, a one and a half kilometer um, gap. And then we've got two fairly large um, pieces of ground uh, called the Petito One and Petito Two. This gives us a, a larger footprint in, in the mining camp. So I, I think that that's important. And certainly there's a lot of other people who think it's important. With regards to the size of the property that we have right now, but that it, it is a smaller footprint, no question, but it is, you know, it, it's, it's about two and a half kilometers worth of strike length along this known break, along this known high angle, high grade vein structure. I'd rather be working there than be distracted with a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of other things. Um, I, I guess I, I should say too. I mean, you, you've you've alluded to sort of you know how do you know that? Where does that information come from? I mean, a lot, a lot of the financial information about what they produced is very well known because the uh, the company that had this thing was listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So like we've got their their 1909 annual report, right? Which you know details how much they, they produced, the average grade. So you have to extrapolate, uh, extrapolate it a little bit, Matthew, because uh, they, all, they report it all in US currency per ton, but you got 57 cent per ounce silver and about $20 per ounce gold. So working backwards, you can get a gold equivalent number relatively easy. So it was, it was uh, remarkably um, high grade. There's, there's eight different geological reports from 1906 that were written in favor of this New York Stock Exchange listing. So we get to draw all of you know, that information about guys that were working on the ground in this mine at that time. Um, and then I guess the, the, the other question that you asked that uh, or uh, alluded to, led to at least, um, 
the, the, the bigger target, this big regional feature called Veta Madre that, that, is, that likely cuts underneath our property, um, you know, do we have enough of that? Is it important enough for investors to care? Can it really be something? And we always use as an analog, and I think in mining, in mine exploration, you always need an analog, right? What is it that you're looking for? So about 10 kilometers to our north, right along that, that, that break, right along that Beta Madre regional break, uh, there is a very famous mine in, in Mexican geological circles uh, called Valenciana. They've produced somewhere between 700 million and one and a half billion ounces of silver over the centuries. So we want to be Valenciana number two. The setup that we've got with the, these, these high-grade, high-angle features plunging down and will likely intersect with Veta Madre, which was mined by Fresneo to within just 250 meters of our claim boundary. So do I think that that feature crosses our claims? Yes, like, you know, 95%. I think we would have to be really, really unlucky for that not to happen. Is it mineralized down there? Well, we don't know that. That's why we got to drill the holes. But, but if those 25 meter widths that they were mining right next door to us in the 70s and 80s and 90s, if that carries on onto our property and it is, oh, I don't know, inf infused, influenced with our high grade, relatively narrow veins, then yeah, that can be really important. If we ended up only having a third of Valenciana number two, I can tell you it would be very, very important for, for Van Gogh shareholders. Okay. The question I'm trying to get at, sorry, the answer I'm trying to get at is how does a 26 million market cap company with circa, I don't know, I'm saying 4 million. I'm not getting much of a reaction from you. I'm assuming it's going to be somewhere near there. I mean, you move from where they are today to prove out the I hope and I think that you've just laid out of what may, may, uh, be be possible. How do you move from where you are today with that meaningful dilution to shareholders? I. How do we make sure the share? Because you've got quite a tight corporate structure. It's you know it's quite good, for you know for you know. Um, so how do you move it from where you are to actually being able to prove out some of the I think and I hope statements that you've just made? Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if I didn't um, answer that earlier. We've got about four four and a half million Canadian dollars in the treasury. That's after we purchased our shiny brand new drill, which I may have mentioned, we're, we're hoping that it arrives in about 40 days time. So, uh, and uh, I, l l l let me just comment on that too. Um, you know, when you hire a drill contractor these days, um, you know, it, it's about 150 bucks a meter that you, that you spend, you know, give or take, depending on size of drill core and where you're drilling and depth of hole. Uh, we, we figure that our, um, nominal cost to drill a meter after this initial purchase will be about 50 to $55 a meter. So we get to save a hundred bucks a meter drilled. We figured that, that it will only take about 12 or 13 of those underground drill holes to pay for the rig. So, I, I mean, frankly, I think that it's, it shows a commitment by the company that, yeah, we're going to be here for a while um, drilling this thing. Um, we've got enough. We've got enough money to drill these deeper holes and to test these targets. Um, you know, at that point, do we need to raise more money? It's absolutely possible. We think that with some success in drilling from underground, 
that the market may well appreciate that and and you know perhaps go another leg higher. Okay, but keep, did, I, keep, did I get did I get to where you, you, you to? started? You started. <laughs> so well, let, well, let me let me let me keep going then. Please, the, um, a, 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 um, a deeper hole, which we which we plan to be drilling in January or February, a deeper hole into Veta Madre that cuts through twenty five meters of, of the type of grade that was mined on our property a hundred years ago, it will absolutely change the market cap and the share price um, if successful. We don't know it's gonna be successful. That's, that's, why it's, that's why the stock's got a 25 million Canadian market cap. But I think that, you know, if you look at the, at the share price, you know, and how it, how it continues to move to new highs on news, consolidates, you know, waits waits for us to to advance the story more, and then goes higher. I mean, I think that's very very positive. But okay, there's stuff you can take credit for in terms of what the company's done, which which at the moment is not a whole bunch of you know not a whole hell of beans. I think you say in the, in North America, um, the market has done a lot of the work for you in terms of silver price. So you know, I think that's fair. that's a fair point to say. Um, so when do you think some of the stuff that you're going to do is going to start taking effect? Do you think when the drill bit comes in and you do do these 13, 14 holes and you do do a, you know, a, a, a deeper uh, drill hole and into, um, you know, in, into, you know, the, the targets that you're aiming for, is that when you get recognized for the work that you've done to date? Or do you need the silver price to keep, keep moving and uh, to work on your work on your behalf? Yeah, I guess I disagree with you a little bit. Over over the last six or eight months, um, the, uh, for a company uh, of our size, and with the amount of money that we've spent, which you know we we have not spent a ton of money on these um, tasks on these on these initiatives that we've that we've done. Company of our size very rarely does a thousand ton bulk sample. You know we accomplished that. Um, a company of our size very rarely tries to re-enter a 230 meter, 110 year old shaft and begin to to you know reestablish that as as a, as new and different access to this mine. So I think we have done a lot. I think that the the market, um, I, I think that we've done a reasonably good job of communicating our story to the marketplace. That has to get better. Van Gold I think is still a relatively unknown thing and commodity and the story has to has to be a little bit um, you know better and more widely spread that takes time that's a, that's that's more of a process than something that you just uh, flip the light switch on you get my point james it's like i, I agree with you i looked at your gna I, you guys don't pay yourself that much you don't spend that much um you know and you've done a few things you know quite cheaply very uh, frugally brilliant but therein also lies the problem. You haven't spent much. You therefore, could you have done more in this in this time frame? It's a very exciting uh, gold and silver environment. So, should you have pushed the bat out and done more? Okay, I, I, I see where I see where the question's going. Fantastic. So uh, there are people who who and I, you know I think I've said this earlier. You know there are people who say, well, James, we'll stop messing around. Let's let's go drill some drill holes. I can tell you, and, I, and this this comes from 30 years experience in this in this industry. There is nothing more expensive than one of these junior explorers that what you know what they do, than to drill a hole in the ground that has no gold and silver in it. So, are we doing everything necessary in terms of in terms of all of the geological interpretation, in terms of the wireframe building, 
before we start drilling? Yes, we are. Are we, are we ready now to drill those drill holes? From underground, we are. From surface, I would say that we still need a little bit more work and a little bit more refining to do. And we've given ourselves the, that time to be able to do it. So I think in terms of sequencing, if you would have asked me, well, you know, hey, let's let's get an underground drill rig in the in here and start drilling. If you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said, well, theoretically, that's good. But I don't think we know exactly where we want to be drilling here. Now we do. And and I'm, I'm very comfortable um, saying that, you know, we're, we've got a very, very good chance of success drilling these holes from underground. And I'm, you know, we're, we're going to try and put ourselves into the same uh, level of knowledge and readiness for when we start drilling in the new year. Okay, so you're you're a nice capital markets guy, right? You, you've moved over to the dark side. You're you, you know what the market's thinking. Doesn't seem so dark over here. It's quite dark. It's very it's very grey walls. It's <laughs> the grey walls. Um, <laughs> you've you know what the market's thinking, right? So you've got one drill rig coming. You own it, and it's like a third, practically a third of the cost of, of uh, bringing in um, you know drill drill rig operators. So that's good news. But it's one. If you know what you've got underground, or you think you know what you've got underground, why why isn't that two? Why isn't it three? Why don't you make you know, hey, while the sun's shining in this positive gold silver environment. Well, to buy three drill rigs, let's say, I think it would be too large a capital expenditure for the amount of money that we've got. Um, the we, we, we have hired a mechanic to be able to handle anything that that um, that breaks down. You know, if all of a sudden we need, you know, if we've got a fleet of drills and a fleet of mechanics and uh, 18 drillers. I think that, I think that's not what this project is right now. And I, I would rather, I'd rather go slow. I'd rather, I'd rather see four, five, six drill holes and go, okay, yeah, we're spot on. We're, we're we know exactly what we're doing. Or conversely, right? You go, well, okay, that maybe that didn't work quite the way that we want to. At least then we'll have the the capital to be able to adjust and and move the project forward. Fair enough. Um, which mill are you working with or going to be working with? Well, we have conversations with, with you know, everybody. There's four mills within 28 kilometers. They're owned by three companies. Okay, so Endeavor Silver owns two of them. With all candor, because, you know, we've been talking about sending this stuff on to a, lo a local mill for a number of months. Each of the mills has, you know, an issue. So the, the mill that we that we sent the thousand ton bulk sample to, that's called Bolinitos. That's one of Endeavor Silver's mills. Well, that was great. And we, we thank our friends from Endeavor again for letting us do that. You know, it was uh, probably more, so it was certainly more important for us to do for Van Gold than for Endeavor to do. Um, but they allowed us to do that. That was great. But it's 28 kilometers from where we are. Now the material that's that's underground, Matthew, that uh, the broken material that's underground that we think we can make fifteen or twenty million bucks on, well, that that can handle the the twenty eight kilometer transport, no problem. The stuff that's on surface, which is of nominal grade, it's about a gram and a quarter gold equivalent. Well, sending it twenty eight kilometers, you you turn a lot of gold and silver into diesel fuel. So you know, I don't know that that's the very best methodology for Van Gold right now. 
if if we have to, we will, and we'll still make a little bit of money on it. But you know, I, I think that there might be better alternatives. Like what? Great pen. Like what? I, I can go. Th- I can go through the list. No, just give me. Like. No, just go straight to the answer. What, what's the answer? What, what will you do with? What will you do with stuff at surface? We're in we're in discussions with all of the um, with all the mills. The one that's right next door, that's owned by Fresneo, that was supposed to be operating in March of this year. Okay, after 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 a number of years hiatus, I got a tour of that mill last fall, and the mine manager told me adamantly that they would be back in operation. The virus has you know put the kibosh on that. We, we continue to be told by the, our friends at Fresneo that they're 60 or 90 days away. But I will say that they've been telling us for 120 days that that's the case. So I don't know when, when exactly that's going to be operational. That's the closest one. It's got ample capacity. W- would it be best for Van Gold just to hold our breath for another three, six months? Maybe it would. There you go. That's what I wanted to get to with regards to how you're treating you know, both the above the ground and the below the ground um, uh, components with regards to the stockpiles. Um, that makes eminently more sense to me. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, with regards to, I was going to ask you a question actually with regards to um, the kind of recovery grades you were getting with with uh, Endeavor versus what you think you're going to be able to do with Fresneo, because um, the Different mines, different operators. I mean, the recovery rates sort of where you expected it for the for the bulk sample you did. Uh, yeah, I would say that. The, I mean, in terms of recovery, I, w- I would suggest that the gold grades were better than what we had anticipated. It was about seventy five percent for gold, a little better than sixty percent, sixty one percent for silver. Um, and frankly, we we had we had we were surprised that we didn't get a little bit better results for silver. We've got a couple of ideas. See, when you're doing this with a with a flotation mill, right? You're taking this material, and it's you know with a with a thousand ton test, we're putting all through this material really quickly. It's a three day process. We're trying to adjust the mill as as we're as we're going, but we really don't quite have enough time. What when we what we did prove is that this stuff can float in a flotation mill, uh, despite the fact that it's been outside and and weathered for the last hundred and ten years. And that we get reasonably good recovery. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I guess we'll know more when you get to that point. But I was just I was wondering what the initial feedback was. Um, and then I, I guess um, finally, you said you need to get better at communication. Having read your PowerPoint, I'd agree because I've learned more from this than I, I did from the publicly available information. So thank you for that. When will you get to the point where you can share with the public how you're going to go about targeting the the drill? And what your expectation is. So, what would success look for look like for you? I guess is what I'm asking. In terms of targeting the drill, um, you know, on our on our corporate presentation right now, I, I think it's like pages eight, nine, and ten, maybe something like that. And then um, and then the the drilling that we're going to target Beta Madre a little bit later in the presentation. Um, you can see like within a couple of degrees where we're going to be drilling a lot of those drill holes. Now, certainly the underground ones, they are pretty well written. Um, I'll I'll just say too, and we'll have some news on this uh, in the upcoming week. um, We've hired a a project geologist to work with our engineers down there. So 
you know, there's there's always you know a real wrestling match between uh, mining engineers and geologists. We need both. Um, the the woman who we're hiring has had 10 years of experience drilling from underground in Guanajuato, both at El Cubo, that's the mill that's the second closest, and at Bolanitos. So with with our friends at Endeavor is where she worked. Um, she has the perfect skill set for what we're looking for in a in a geologist who can you know manage and model what we see in the drilling. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much, James. Nice run through. Nice Thank introduction you. to this story and how you're going to approach it. I, I really do. I, I liked. I liked how you laid it out. Thank you. Very good. Thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity. I, I appreciate it. Now. I look forward to discussing this again with you in a couple months when we have some drill holes. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.